Rise and shine, you Syracuse superfans. It's time to pour yourself a tall, delicious glass of orange fizz. Syracuse recruiting news, insider information, latest SU buzz. The Syracuse blogosphere comes to life on the central New York airwaves. It's Fizz Radio. Good morning, Fizz Nation, and happy game day, Syracuse and number 12 Florida State coming up at noon. Thanks for joining us for Fizz Radio. Along with Gil Gross, I'm Jonathan Hoppy. Happy game day, Gil. Happy game day. This is the season right here for Syracuse. That's the position that the Orange have put themselves in. It's FSU, Louisville, got to win one, maybe need to win both, but that's a tall task against two great teams. In today's ACC, it's not often that you face a ranked opponent. Syracuse gets two of them back-to-back. Saturday against Florida State, Wednesday against Louisville, two top ten opponents on top of that. The toughest stretch of the season, it's not even close. Will they have Elijah Hughes? Will they not have Elijah Hughes? That's the million-dollar question. Boy, the Orange would feel a lot better about their chances with their star player versus without him. It's everything. I don't think that they can win without Elijah Hughes, and Honestly, I think Syracuse would have beaten NC State on Saturday, or excuse me, Tuesday, by 10 if Hughes had played. Just watching how that game played out and the fact that Syracuse only hit three triples all game. Buddy Beheim couldn't find his shooting stroke. And offensively, you have career highs from Joe Girard and Quincy Garrier. A lot of things were working, but Syracuse still couldn't get on the scoreboard enough. Hughes was the missing puzzle piece, and he's got to play for Syracuse to have a chance. This is a really deep Florida State team, too, that Syracuse is facing today. We're going to get into that a little bit later on in the show. Thanks for joining us on Fizz Radio. We've got you until 10 o'clock this morning. If you're away from your radio later in the day, remember that you can find all of our audio content on SoundCloud by searching Orange Fizz. Also, wherever you get your podcast, each and every Saturday we are live right here on the Score 1260. Gil, it was a strange game against NC State on Tuesday. They had a chance to win, and then a 15-2 run late for the Wolfpack put this game away, and Syracuse basically collapsed down the stretch without Hughes in the lineup. There were some things working inside the perimeter Joe Girard couldn't miss. Anytime he stepped inside the three-point line and drove, he he drew some fouls. He doesn't ever miss free throws. He was 11 of, uh, of 12 from the line. Quincy Garrier, something clicked for him where he was as aggressive as he needs to be. The missing puzzle piece, Syracuse could have won that game if Buddy Beheim played better. And he just didn't, sh- you know, he didn't have his stroke. He didn't have his shot. He was completely neutralized by NC State. And the Orange just didn't have another option. So down the stretch, the offense stalled, which really isn't surprising. So the eternal optimist probably looks at this game and says, hey, a five-point loss to a tournament bubble team without your best player and no practice knowing he won't be available, not the end of the world, right? Because the stats sort of back that up. Syracuse 3 for 18 from 3. That is awful, especially for this team. And let's face it, Jim Beheim said it after the game, they're just not shooting the 3 well right now. Somehow they're still in these games. That's been the the storyline with all of the losses recently, even the Duke loss, 97-88 loss. But a lot of people were saying, and even Jim Beheim said this, it's kind of a bit of a moral victory there to shoot that 
poorly from the three-point line, and I'll get the exact number in a second, for Syracuse to only lose by nine, going six for 26, 23% from three against a top 10 team in Duke. A lot of these losses have been, oh yeah, well they would have won if they shot better, but guess what? It's becoming a pattern that Syracuse is not shooting the three ball with efficiency. No, they're not. The offense is in a slump right now. I think that's the main takeaway from this. The defense continues to get better. Not only were there a lot of missed threes, there were a ton of missed layups in the game against NC State. That has to be corrected against top 10 opponents. It's probably not going to. They're not good finishers. Dolajai and Garrier, they're not great finishers yet, especially Garrier. And Dolajai, Dolajai has had better games and can have a better game than he played against NC State. But this is like O'Shea Bursette. He was never a good finisher. He wasn't. You think that he had good touch around the rim? He wasn't a great finisher, but I'd say yeah. he was a solid finisher. Okay. He was he, better than what we saw on Tuesday. <laughs> yes, I'll tell you that much. He was. It was. The number of missed layups were ridiculous. The only player who, who wasn't missing layups was Joe Girard. Let's give our guy Quincy some love. Yeah. A career-high 37 minutes on Tuesday for him. 16 points, 10 boards. He did miss a lot of layups, but shot an efficient 6-for-12 from the field. What does this mean for him going forward? Because you assume if Hughes cannot go tonight— this afternoon at noon in Tallahassee, Garrier's going to get the call. He's starting to get it. He's attacking. He's sure of himself. His his first step is quick. I don't think Jeff Goodman is an idiot. Jeff Goodman put, I know that's, that was a— Explain why you're even saying that. Yeah, what I, did Goodman I, let me explain. say? Jeff Goodman put him in his—he said Quincy Garrier before the season is a first-round pick. Put him 29th. And that's then, bold. And then that, that's where he was. Quincy Garrier proceeded to barely get any minutes off the bench. Every time he went out there, he would turn the ball over, commit three fouls in two minutes, and Jim Beheim would say after the game, Quincy can't play because he doesn't know how to play basketball or something really harsh like that. But He's tough on Quincy. Yes, he is. So then a lot of people said, oh, my God, can you believe that Quincy Garrier was put in the first round by Jeff Goodman, that he thought that Quincy Garrier might be a one, a one and done. I don't think he's an idiot. I get why. If you watch the game last night and you see what Garrier brought to the table physically, I mean, he's playing ACC teams, even against Duke. He looked physically right up to the task with anyone. Especially given the fact that he played 37 minutes. Yeah. Beheim in his, what, three to four minute press conference after the NC State game? 342? Three, yeah, was it? it was about three and a half minutes. It Pretty was short, and he threw short. a jab to the officials that the average person probably wouldn't even have caught. I was in there live and did not catch it I didn't catch it first. either. He said they weren't calling those fouls on the inside, only on the other end they were calling them. So maybe Jim was a little bit salty. Understandably so, you lose your best player three minutes into the game. But Quincy Garrier, when he was asked about him, Beheim was very complimentary, said Beheim said Garrier rather played very well, but he's not used to playing 37 minutes, so he got tired towards the end of the game. It just feels like right now, with this roster, there's a lot of growing pains, because think about this. Almost everyone, almost everybody, is stocked down except Quincy right now. Almost everyone. In your starting lineup, Barama, 
cannot stay in the game. He is stocked down because all he does Four is Four foul. fouls almost every game now in the last month. Gerard can't shoot worth a lick right now. One for ten from three. Now, he scored 30 points, so maybe he's not stocked down. I'll give him a pass. Dolajai, that maybe is the other one where you feel solid, but even he feels that he's struggled. It feels like he's struggled over the recent games. Beheim is shooting really poorly for his standards. And then Hughes, even though he's getting 20 points at the clip when he's in, he's also struggling to shoot. The common theme here is that nothing's working on the perimeter, and Syracuse has began to actually take the ball to the cup with effectiveness, which was just not a part of this team at all in the beginning of the year. Now you have a guy like Garrier and a guy like Dolajai who are both actually putting up double-digit scoring with, with some consistency, and Syracuse actually has some penetration from the dribble drive. What what has not what's happened, I guess, to offset that is there's no longer any three-point shooting. The three ball is gone. I think Syracuse has been over 30% in two of the last seven games. And if I get if I have that wrong, then it's two out of the last six games. I know Clemson, they were over 30%. And I know that against um uh, the win against Wake Forest, they were over 30%. So does that change over this two-game stretch? Do they find that at some point? It feels like they'll have to, right? Oh, yeah. I do think we know how this team operates. Coming up, we've got a break, and then we're going to get into this Florida State matchup, exactly what they need to do to win. Three-point shooting is going to be key against a very physical Florida State team. It feels like with their backs against the wall, one of these two games, they're going to get hot. Well, Buddy and Elijah are They're the overdue. Two, yeah, but Buddy and Elijah are the two players who can who can go unconscious from three. And it hasn't really happened all that often this year. Normally they've switched off. You have one of them going. If you have both of them going, and the way that Dolajai and Garrier have made strides this season, you gotta feel really good about Syracuse's offense. I think the impressive thing is that despite not shooting the three ball well, if you look at how many points Syracuse has, has scored. 74 against NC State, 75 against Wake, 88 against Duke, uh, 70 against Clemson, 69 against Pittsburgh, 84 against Notre Dame. I won't keep going, but in the beginning of the season, you'd have some offensive duds from Syracuse, and that isn't happening even without the three. We'll see if that changes coming up in this two-game stretch. It does feel like they're long overdue, and before we get into this Florida State game after the break— do you think that was the end of the tournament chances? How do you evaluate this two-game stretch? Because to me, it feels like that was a tough loss. To get six oh, yeah. losses at home is brutal with two games remaining, and who knows, they could lose seven, possibly eight. But if they want to stay alive, it really feels like they've got to win one of these games. For sure. I, I've always been in the same camp. I've been saying this for weeks now. There's two ways into the tournament for Syracuse in terms of the regular season. Let's not even think about the ACC tournament yet. The first way would be to win out from after the Duke game against everyone other than Florida State and Louisville. All lower-tier ACC teams. Even then, I think you're still on the bubble. I wouldn't say that's a path to the tournament. I'd say that's a path to being close to the tournament. Yeah, going into the ACC tournament, there, there would be work to do, but that would be a win considering how the season started. The other path is to get a win 
over one of these two top 10 teams. And then still, you got to win out. Now that Syracuse has used up its loss to NC State, that's a team right there for the taking. That's the loss. That's got to be the last loss. loss. So now there can only be one loss for the rest of the season for Syracuse to have a chance, if we're being real, and it's got to be against Florida State or Louisville. There you have it, Gil Gross's prediction. We'll get into this matchup with Florida State after the break. Thanks for joining us on the Score 1260 Fizz Radio, getting you set for Syracuse and number 8 Florida State. We'll be in both Tallahassee and Louisville covering the orange. One last chance to make a big statement. We'll be right back after this on the Score 1260. Thanks for coming on back. Jonathan Hoppy with Gil Gross getting you set for Syracuse and number 8 Florida State at noon. This is Fizz Radio. Glad to have you along for the ride. Gil, this is a massive game. We've been talking about it. The state of the orange right now, not exactly sunshine and rainbows. Maybe they can turn things around in Tallahassee. This is going to be hard to do, though. This is a Florida State team. Just lost to Duke by five. They hung with the Devils. Leonard Hamilton has this squad bumping right now. Yeah, this is a really, really good team with, I think, nine players that that see the floor. They play with a lot of energy. They take advantage of their depth by almost, it's almost like there's a bunch of Quincy Garriers out there. (laughs) And I mean it by, and I mean that in the sole respect. That's a compliment to Quincy, that seems. It is. Big Quincy Garriers. Unintentionally. (laughs) What I meant by that is that every player plays as an energy guy on the floor. You can only do that when you're nine deep. Because that's exhausting. But FSU really brings it with their depth. They are nine deep. They're ten deep. Maybe more. They played, I think, 15 or 16 players the other day. At different times this year, Florida State has had a different leading scorer in a game eight times. Eight different players have been the leading scorer for the Seminoles. Now, keep this in mind, too. This is a Florida State team that was unranked to start the year. Last year, they made a little bit of an NCAA tournament run. They got to the Sweet 16. They lost some guys, but they've had a couple of transfers, and the returners have stepped up. This is arguably the best team in the ACC. They're right up there with Louisville and Duke. And they've been there actually a lot recently. They haven't had that marquee tournament run recently, but Leonard Hamilton has done an amazing job in Tallahassee. Probably He's done the most underrated coaching turnaround in the ACC that people just aren't talking about. He needs that big run in March. But, again, Florida State is a really, really tough team. Another thing that that I want to say is that that's tough against the zone. I don't think elite guards like playing the zone. It takes a lot away from, from what your elite guards will try to do or teams that don't like to share the ball, teams that rely on one player for scoring. Look at, look at all the success that Syracuse has had against Duke recently. That's because ISO players, the zone kills them. FSU is going to share the ball, play the exact proper offense against the zone, and it's a tough matchup. So traditionally, it seems, and go into your memory bank here, and those of you listening, follow along with us. Does it feel like Syracuse fares well against Florida State? Off the my top of my head? My answer is yes. It sounds like you're saying no, and maybe that's because they blew a lead at home last year and crumbled down the stretch. 
Now, two years ago, Tyus Battle hit that shot at the end of regulation to force overtime. They lost in double OT 101-90. But it always feels like Florida State is long and athletic, not the best three-point shooting team, which usually is a good thing for Syracuse because they can't shoot over the top of the zone. This year, Gil, they're the second-best shooting team in the league in terms of threes behind Louisville, who the Orange have on Wednesday. So that's not going to be the case this year. This is a terrible matchup across the board. Terrible. Seminoles always have size. They always have length. They protect the rim well generally. But it's almost like Virginia this season of last year. Right where Florida State's a team that always defends well, it's just now they have what they normally didn't have, and that's off. You know, uh, a lot of offensive capabilities, a lot of perimeter players that can do a lot of good things. So I did my homework for this one. I'm going to give you about five reasons, maybe more, as to why Syracuse is going to lose this game. <laughs> I'd be shocked if the Orange got the win. Let's start with number one. In the past three seasons, Florida State has lost three times at the Tuck. Three times. I think the record is 50-3 and three at home over the past three seasons. It might be 40-3. and three. Maybe I've got the numbers off. It's impressive. They're undefeated there this year. That building is sold out, gearing up for the afternoon matchup today. That's one. That's you one. You said you have five. I've got five. Maybe you were going to chime uh, yeah, in after I, that. No, I mean— There's not much to say there. No. Other than that's really impressive. Yes. Number two, the shortest player in their lineup, in their rotation, is 6'4". Len, that's a Le- Leonard Hamilton signature. That's a signature. They're, they're so tall, They go always. 10 deep, so let's throw yep. that in as two. I don't know if I'm going to be able to get to five. Okay. Say they don't have Elijah Hughes. Even if they do, Trent Forrest, their fourth-year guard, had eight steals against Duke on Monday. The dude is a defense-first guard. He can lock up players on the perimeter. Well, what did we see with Buddy Bayheim on Tuesday? He was locked up by Markel Johnson and others. If you want to take Buddy Bayheim out of a game, teams can. That, that's been, I think, the case for most of the year. If you want to focus on Buddy Beheim, you can take him out of the game. With that being said, I think that Gerard has dealt with some of the best defenders in the country really well. I think he did a good job um, with Trey Jones' That's a topic ball. right now for Buddy is that he can't get past that elite defender yeah. when they face guard him and just lock him down. They can take him out of the game. That's happened the past for couple sure. of times. Well, that's why you need Hughes. Because if you have Hughes, well, now they got to pick their poison when it comes to who does Florida State put Trent Forrest on. Um, and, you know, it, it could be a few guys, but that'll be someone to, something to watch for. I think it's funny, too. Our friend Tim Leonard, he says, I did not realize how few three-point shooters Syracuse had until Hughes was out. Yep. Because it's really only Gerard and Beheim. That's Bullseye. pretty much it. Bullseye. This is and Was it bullseye coming in, on Tuesday? Coming, <laughs> coming into the year, we thought Bryson Goodine was going to be able to shoot threes. We thought Quincy Garrier was going to be able to shoot threes. Man, if Quincy could somehow find the stroke he has pregame, he might be a first-round pick this Not year. Not in Jim Beheim's lifetime. <laughs> At some point, that's going to have to wrinkle in. I don't know when it is. It should. You're right. It we is. all know he shot the ball in Canada. Yep. 
We expected him to shoot it this year. He did shoot it to start and was just so, so bad. Florida State has a couple seven-footers. They've got size that's going to get Barama Sidibe in foul trouble. That's pretty much inevitable that he'll that he'll foul out. <laughs> They're deep. They have experience. They've got Devin Vassell, who is right up there for first-team All-ACC. He has had just a breakout campaign as a sophomore. He can he can hit you in pretty much every way. The guy was seven for seven, three-point shooting a couple of weeks ago against Virginia Tech. He's been unreal. This team is excellent. This, to me, could be the best team in the ACC and the most fit team to make a deep tournament run. It's really remarkable what Leonard Hamilton has done, who is now top five all-time in ACC wins by a head coach. Yeah, he, he's a monster. This is a culmination. This has been brewing in Tallahassee for a long time. And uh, FSU, I, I do expect them to attack the attack the paint and try to get Sidibe in foul trouble. All you got to do is feed the high post and drive, or you can feed the low post and pump fake. There's two ways to draw easy fouls against Sidibe. I mean, if you look at how the, the NC State game started, high post feed, drive, they went right by Barama, and Quincy went in two minutes later, uh, you know, right off the first possession of the game. That's the game plan against Syracuse, and Florida State would qualify as a team that's going to be able to take advantage of that. Here's the thing, though. The Orange have been excellent on the road this year. Excellent. Yeah. In true road games, yep. especially in conference play. Don't you think that's a coincidence? I mean, I don't read I much don't into that. I think this might be, well, think about that Virginia trip. After they lost to Clemson, or rather Virginia Tech and Notre Dame at home, they went on the road to Virginia. Barama played well. Everyone played well. They won the game in overtime. They played well at Clemson. They just lost in a one-possession game. Yep. They couldn't avenged stop. a loss to Notre Dame on the road. So maybe it feels like if Hughes plays, they come together. I'm not saying they win because I think they're going to lose, but they maybe don't get blown out like many think. If Hughes doesn't play today at noon against Florida State, a top-10 team, what do you think happens in this game? Uh, 15 to 20 point loss. Eh, I mean, that's given one player too much credit, if we're being honest. Uh, is it? It is. It is. Because, I mean, look, think about think about the guys in Vegas. If you're setting a line, Hughes isn't 15 points. Well, we're not saying that with... Are, so you're saying with Hughes that they're going to be... Oh, oh, I see what you're right. saying. Right. I mean, I'm yes, saying yes, yes. with Hughes, they probably lose by about eight. Without him, they lose by about 18. Yeah, I, I I'm I'm kind of with you there. I think it's there. just a mental thing too. They're yeah. going to need to have Hughes to know they can do it because I totally. really do believe this is a confident bunch, and they're not going to be intimidated on the road. Now they're the question better. becomes: Does Florida State bounce back from a big Monday loss to Duke? Uh, I mean, I don't know if that plays in a disappointing loss to Duke. You think that? I believe you in... can't float home and say, oh, we've got Syracuse who just lost to NC State. We're going to wipe the floor with them. And then the Orange come out and hit them in they're the face. They're coming off early. a loss. That they're, you're less oh, likely. I expect them to be locked yeah, in. Yeah, trust it, me. It, right. So I, I thought you were saying that they might 
not be locked in. There's a chance. I expect them yep. to be locked in. Always but... a chance. Here's the thing that I think we need to respect about Syracuse. They have not stayed the same all year. A lot of individuals on the team have gotten better as the year has gone on. The way they've played has adapted and arguably improved as the year has gone on. If the Orange shoot well from the three-point arc, which hasn't happened in a really long time, we don't know how high the ceiling is. They're defending better. They're driving it. They have Dolajai and Garrier going at full cil- on, on all cylinders right now. What if Buddy and Hughes have a good shooting day? They'll be right there. Let's see if Hughes plays. That's coming up at noon, Syracuse and Florida State. We've got you covered all afternoon long. Breaking the game down, can they get it done? I'll tell you what, if Hughes plays, you never know. If he doesn't play, I don't think so. You know. (laughs) You pretty much know at that point. Yeah. All right, let's take a break. When we come back, talking recruiting, Dior Johnson and the million-dollar question, will this dude ever get to Syracuse? We'll weigh in on that. Come back with us. This is Fizz Radio on the Score 1260. Welcome back to Fizz Radio. Jonathan Hoppy with Gil Gross taking you until 10 o'clock. Thanks for joining us. Rather, you're on the score 1260. You're listening back to our podcast on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for finding us on Orange Fizz. If you feel so inclined, please rate, review, and subscribe. So Saturday morning, getting ready for Syracuse and number 8 Florida State. But as we look forward, recruiting has been in the news in the past week. Why? The biggest recruit since Carmelo Anthony, a five-star point guard, Dior Johnson, 6'3", 180. How about them apples? How about them? I mean, this uh, this was, this was came out of nowhere for for the Orange. To, to land a five-star, It's it's been a while, honestly. If you look at the five stars that Syracuse has been able to land in this decade, it's pretty much all been 2010 to 2016. You know, it, it it's really been a long time, and I believe the last one was Chris McCullough. It's been a long time since the Orange have landed a five-star. And number one point guard in 2022 this early, that's a bombshell out of nowhere. Shouts to Jerry McNamara, who was working hard on the recruiting trail. He's from California, does have roots to New York, so... Mm-hmm. The fit makes sense to come back home to New York State and play for Syracuse. Now, a couple of things I find interesting here. A 2022 recruit. So let's do the quick math here. He won't play next year. He won't play the year after that. Then he'll play. Is my math right? Your math is correct. Or is there another year? No, you're correct. Buddy Buddy Beheim graduates. But he's a sophomore, then Dior Johnson arrives. So maybe sooner than you might think. That's a long time. Will Jim Boeheim still be the coach here? Dior Johnson might keep him here. He just might. This is a big get for Jim Boeheim, especially the crowd. Not saying that we are the people who started that, but certainly you have to be critical of any program and who they're bringing in. And this year's class is solid, but they haven't gotten the big splash lately, and now Jim Beheim and staff silence those critics, and they get this five-star recruit. 
still yeah, can't get a right. big man, which is another conversation, but they yes. got a high-level recruit, and that has to say something. It does. It's just It just hasn't happened since, I mean, honestly, Baisley. You know, we, we don't take Baisley into consideration because of what happened, and I think that also changed the way Syracuse fans reacted. Not only will Buddy Bayheim leave, and I'm with you, Hop, I've always kind of looked at Buddy's departure as a natural stopping point for Jim. Maybe one year with Dior? I, it, it, it's right. tough to say. That's really besides the point, though. The, the bigger question here is will he even come? Now, I think this has been maybe blown out of proportion, maybe not, because people are worried that by then the NBA will get rid of the one-year college rule and you can go straight to the league just like you used to be able to do back when LeBron James and Kobe Bryant and others went to the NBA. So we can't really sit here and speculate if that's going to happen. But all signs, we can a little bit. All signs say if that rule is still in place, he's coming to Syracuse. If he's playing college ball, at least what he said, he told Mike Waters of Syracuse.com, he's coming to Central New York. I believe him. I believe him that if he's playing college, he's coming to Syracuse. And I want to get into, if we have time, a little bit more about how he's presented himself and carried himself through this process. But in terms of the 2022 thing and the NBA one-and-done rule, Adam Silver has flat-out said that he's targeting 2022 for when he wants to get rid of the one-year college requirement. And when Adam Silver historically says he wants to get something done— the NBA has had the most progressive agenda out of any sports league really in the last uh, 10 or so years where that that's a league that things happen there. Things change. So what are you saying? We should write into the commissioner's office and say, hey, Adam, let's wait till 2023. <laughs> it, it might be nice at, at the same time. <laughs> Probably wouldn't work. And I, I appreciated Dior's honesty. He said, if that rule is gone, I'd have to reconsider. I'd have to reconsider what I'm doing. Right, and anyone can respect that. And ultimately, if he did go to the league, I don't think anyone could be mad at him. Yeah. I think it's a little different when Darius Baisley decides to go to the G League. Again, not that anyone could be mad, but it's a bit more reasonable to think, hey, why would you do that? And he didn't yes. end up playing. And that that's, <laughs> again, that's we could talk about that for days. But I, I, I do think, like you said, I mean, this guy has been very presentable the entire way Things look good. It seems like he's a dude of his word, and I would expect him to be here if he can't go to the league. The the over it's overblown that if the league gets rid of the one and done, and I think it it plays into the narrative of all oh, the the young generation. They want to take shortcuts and they don't want to work hard. I really do. How many players are really going to go straight to the league per class? I would think two to five, two to six. So let's also consider that if the NBA gets rid of the the one-year requirement, you can't just pencil in that the top 20 players in the class are going to try to go to the league. They just don't have those spots. If I had to guess, six seems a little low, but maybe depending on the class. I do agree. I don't think it would be as big of a hit for the college game. You'd lose some top level stars. Yeah, you you, you would you lose really your would. you would lose your cream of the crop. So if you're thinking, I don't know who who's been the most anticipated guy in in recent times, Ben well, Simmons, even like a James Wiseman type, someone like him wouldn't even fool around 
playing in Memphis. They just go right to the NBA. And that's essentially what's happening now due to all the scandals or violations, however you want to chime in on that. He said, you know, I've had enough of this. I'm just going to wait to go to the NBA. Yeah, which which makes sense uh, for him. But right, d- Ben Dior. Simmons, the, all these big-time guys, yeah. you would lose them. But really, how much in, in – Carmelo Anthony obviously hits home here for Syracuse fans as someone who could have gone to the NBA, played college, won a national championship. How much would that impact how these events turn out? Well, it would probably change a lot for programs like Duke, but for Syracuse, ironically, it might hurt them with Dior Johnson, but outside of that, probably not too much. Yeah, I mean, there hasn't been a player who would have gone straight to the league that Syracuse has had since Carmelo Anthony. And, per, well, Melo could have done it, and he didn't. So never mind on that point. Yeah, it, it's so, so rare. It is so incredibly overblown that people think that no one's going to go to college if they're not forced to. You know, players want to go to college. It's uh, it's an incredible opportunity to, to play against the best and get scouted. And uh, the college game won't be hurt too bad by it. Dior is a guy, to me, who just reeks New York big stage. He seems to like that Syracuse is covered like a pro team, that its fan base is massive, that it's got the national spotlight. And he said, you know, I want to play the, I want to beat the Blue Bloods, not play for them. He wants to be the guy. And he knows how powerful the, the Syracuse market can be if you are the guy. To me as well, it doesn't seem like he's married to playing under Jim Beheim. Seems like he's married to being a part of this program, if given the opportunity. That's exciting because it feels like if there was a coaching change in the next several years, that he would stick it out. He would probably want it to be GMAC, given that's who he said, okay, I'm going to go over and play for you, which... I mean, you know, it's a whole other debate that we don't right. have time to get into. Tune in next week. <laughs> Who replaces Jim Beheim? That is going to be an interesting topic whenever that does come up. We're up against our final break of the show. When we come back, we wrap things up. Get you involved. Fizz feedback. We put out a couple of questions on social media. You gave us the answers, and we'll tell you who you voted for on the other side. As we get set for Syracuse and Florida State, could this be the day? They get that top 10 win. We'll find out sooner or later. Back in a moment, this is Fizz Radio on the Score 1260. Final segment of the show. Jonathan Hoppy back with Gil Gross wrapping things up. Fizz Radio, show went by fast today. I guess that's when you know it's been a good one. Hope you've enjoyed it so far. Fizz feedback, as we do each and every week, we put out a statement. Sometimes it's yes or no. Sometimes it's multiple choice. This week, Gil put out a couple yes or no's. Let, let's go through them. Have you looked at the results since you put them out? Yeah, once, but it, it's been a little while, so I, All right, let's I, I'm see, not really sure what's going on. Let's see how well you can get into the heads of Fizz Nation. Will Dior Johnson, our guy who we were just talking about, five-star recruit, 2022, will he play basketball for Syracuse at all? Yeah, so I was a little bit surprised in the early going. This was a very close poll. I'm going to say 60% yes. 56% yes, 44 
100% no. I don't know if that's an omen as we read this here <laughs> on Fizz Radio. That's a lot of skepticism. And I, I do you think, I don't know, what would that number be? Well, you said it yourself. If, it feels like Adam Silver is a man on a mission. If you look up one and done right now, it is a hot topic. And yeah. it feels like they're going to get it done in the next couple of years. Now, if he progresses, my thing would be he would still have to be told by scouts that he should come out. And he's only a sophomore in high school. I don't think that's it. I really think that there is Darius Baisley's scar tissue going on with that. And I don't I think if Baisley doesn't happen, I, I just can jive with I think that. a lot of people I think a lot more people say yes. I think people are just trying to not get their hopes up. They're traumatized. Next fizz feedback was NC State the nail in the coffin for Syracuse's tournament hopes. Um so definitely most people say yes. I'm going to say 70%. Yes. 72. Pretty good. Were oh, you wow. off by 2% both times? I think I was 4%, 4% the other time. Listen, I couldn't disagree with that more. My pulse is on the nation. I could not disagree with that more. How can you say that is the nail in the coffin? Do you agree with Fizz Nation? <laughs> no, I actually disagree, and I would say no. What a perfect way to end this show they're still, and lead they're... into this game coming up at yeah. noon. They still have a chance. To say that it's the nail in the coffin could not disagree with more. Yeah, it will be the nail in the coffin if Syracuse goes 0-2 in the next two. That's the nail in the coffin. Pretty much. If you want to say that, I'm fine with it. But you've got to give them a chance to win one of these games. Yep. You're right. If they lose these two, they've got to run the table in the ACC tournament, which is virtually impossible. Yep. So then, no, it's not going to happen. But... If they win, we're right back to where we started. In fact, I would argue that if they win one of these two, you take a step back against NC State, and then you take a step forward and surpass where you were before the state game because of that win. So it's really a net positive. And then you factor in, if you win, Hughes is going to be playing. That's probably a given. So then the committee realizes, all right, no Elijah Hughes. They hung around state. Not that bad of a loss. My problem, though, is if you want to say it's the nail in the coffin, six home losses, that is ugly. Oh, that's rough. And I know the committee wants you to take care of business at home. That is rough. What? I don't know. Like, the committee wants you to win on the road, too. Remember the 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 Leiden-Gillen year and, and Andrew White that year where Syracuse Three just couldn't, years ago? Yeah, couldn't win on, on the road and everyone was like, oh, the, the committee needs road wins. Now everyone's like, <laughs> oh, the committee needs home. The committee... As Jim said after that season, <laughs> the committee changes. What they want seems to change. One year they want a tough schedule. Then they want wins on the road. Then they want so-and-so. I'm just saying, six home wins, that's terrible. That is really losses. not good. Six home losses. Terrible. Yeah, terrible. Terrible. And and Syracuse really dug itself a hole in, in the early season, and now it pays. So we're going to get out of here. Thanks for joining us. We'll leave you with this one thought. Next two games, Florida State and Louisville, who you got? I have Syracuse beating Louisville. Do you really? Yes. Wow, we did not talk about this. <laughs> I thought that was going to be my zinger to end the show. Oh, Instead, you agree with took me. Took your thunder. 
if Elijah Hughes plays. If he does not, they lose both games. I think Louisville is a more winnable matchup. I think Florida State is going to be poised after losing to Duke, returning home, rocking Saturday afternoon. Love a noon game, by the way. Wednesday night in Louisville, that's a tough place to play, too. I don't know why. Why do you think the cards? I just think... I mean, it's more it's more on on a it's more a Syracuse thing than than a Louisville thing to be honest at this point. But I want to see this team with the things they've gotten better at. I want to see Buddy and Hughes put one together. Thanks for joining us. This has been Fizz Radio for Gil Gross. I'm Jonathan Hoppy. Have a great Saturday. We'll see what the Orange can do on the road against number eight Florida State.